is very good afternoon. It is Niall boiling with you for the next hour or so. And this one is a little bit special today, I'm going to be honest with you. As you all know, you know, I do like to talk to people who I find interesting, intriguing. And over the last year, I've been kind of watching many of the UK channels, particularly the more conservative ones, because, you know, I am a conservative. Well, that's if you believe conservative means having standards and, you know, valuing human behaviour, the family relationships and marriage. But one man that kind of stood out for me, you know, with conservative views and, you know, a man of the cloth, by the way, not surprising to see a man of the cloth on television, particularly on a news channel, is Calvin Robinson. And he joins me today. Calvin, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And by the way, it's coincidence we chatted just before we come on the air. You've recently been to Ireland, by the way. You've been to Belfast. You've been to Bangor. Any chance you're going to pop down to Dublin or the South very soon? No plans as of yet, but if someone wants to send me an invitation, I'd love to be out there. <laughs> it's a beautiful part of the country. It, it absolutely is. But unfortunately, I think it's a very mixed up country. And I'm going to come to that in a few minutes time. But I, I just want to come to you first, because for a man, if you go back in time a little bit, you were into gaming. You even had your own gaming website. You were the principal of a school. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be a man of the cloth? Or did you refine God, or or where? How did that come about? I was an assistant principal, but um, I, I think it was a calling rather than a decision. And at some point, I realised that teaching was a part of my vocation, but not the entirety of it. And now I'm a pastor, a teacher, and a, a helper, at least, of administering the sacraments. I'm a deacon, so um, transitional. So when I am priesthood, I will be administering the sacraments directly. But it was a realization that I was not fulfilling my calling and actually I needed to be an ordained ministry and that's why I left the teaching profession uh, and, and became, well, went to seminary and became um, an ordained mm. minister. And you're a man, I mean, listening to you on a regular basis and I have on GB News because you present your own show on GB News, you're a man of values uh, and on numerous occasions I see you getting quite head up at people who don't have those same values or don't have family values and you're quite willing to listen to other people and reason with other people but the core of what you believe in is values. I suppose values in the family, values in relationships, values in marriage. Does it sadden you when you see the world change, when we see relationships become disposable, marriages come, become disposable? Even in Ireland, which would be considered probably one of the most conservative countries in the world, we have changed. We've probably overtaken the rest of Europe and we've become so liberal. I mean, does that concern you when you see the world change like that? Massively now. I mean, Ireland's a great example. It was until recently one of the most conservative parts of Europe, and now it's one of the most liberal parts of Europe. You know, the, the abortion laws that have been pushed into Northern Ireland, as an example, are abhorrent. But it's that's at one extreme end of the spectrum. The closer end is, like you say, family, marriage, uh, decency, good manners, good etiquette. All of that has been kind of disregarded in, in favour of what we see as liberal freedom. But it's never actually freedom. What it, what it is is freedom to sin. You know this idea that we don't need to be married. What's the point in in marriage? Marriage is a beautiful thing. Of course, it's something we should be celebrating. But instead, no. Let's you know, have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. Live with whoever you want to live with. Just be free. Be you. What does that mean? It means be miserable. Be lonely. Be isolated. Surely. As a society, we should be raising our standards, not dumbing them down. We should be expecting better of ourselves, but also the people around us too, because we want people to be living godly lives, right? Or we should be, at least. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I, I actually come from a point of view, and I don't know whether you know that, I'm an atheist, 
But even as an atheist, I have, I believe I have good morals. And it's always a question that I ask religious people because I have a great respect for people who are religious. I don't have to respect the religion, but I have a great respect for people and their belief in religion. But do you have to be religious to have moral values? Because people often say to me on the show, uh, on my talk show during the day, when I have callers calling in who might be people of God or they might be Christians or they're Muslims or whatever it is, that if I don't believe in a God, I'm lost. I'm missing out on something. Am I, am I missing out? Do people miss out on something if they don't believe in God? Well, that's two different questions. But in answer to your first one, yes, you need to have a religion to have morals. Otherwise, where do you get them from? And you know you you live in a christian country so you probably say well you you have them from the people around you in the society around you or something well let me ask you where do you get your morals from mm -hmm. well i suppose my father and mother were very religious um and i suppose it's a, just a matter of teaching people right from wrong i mean my own children wouldn't be religious now they're all adults now they're in their 20s what is right and what is wrong well, I think we all know what right and wrong is. We know if we don't judge or treat each other badly, that's the right thing to do. If we don't commit crimes, it's the right thing to do. If we don't go down any roads of debauchery and sin by the but state. What, but, this is all relative. This is the problem. What I consider debauchery and sin, other people would consider a good time. You know, what's right and wrong for me might not be right and wrong for you. And if we look around us in the, across the world, what's right and wrong in different cultures in different parts of the world is very, very different. You know, the parts of the world where people are pushed off roofs for being homosexual, the parts of the world where women are not allowed to show their faces in public. I would consider both of those things wrong, but where they are, they consider them right and normal. The idea that, that we know what's right and wrong is a nonsense. We are taught it uh, and through our faith and the reason that i would suggest that you have uh, a good moral code would be because you're like you say your parents might have been religion religious but also you live in a christian country so you've inherited the christian moral compass even if you don't profess to be christian yourself well I, i'm not going to disagree maybe christian values are good so, values but that doesn't mean i have to hold on to a god does it mean i have to hold on to a god as, a second, as i said start as a different question so yes we need religion for morals because that's where morals come from good and bad comes from what god tells us is good and bad but do you need to believe in God? That's a separate question entirely. You know, I would say that it's difficult not to believe in God. When you look at the beautiful world around us, it's a testament. God's creation is a testament to the creator. But also, on the inverse, we're seeing so much evil in the world around us right now. It's difficult not to believe in something other at play, some other forces at play. I was going to um, come to that question, by the way. Yeah. What happened in Nottingham um, yesterday, so the day before, um, you know, where th three people died and, and three other people were injured. I mean, that leads us to believe, and France the day before, of course, where some man took a knife to young babies. D do you believe that's evil at play? Because, you know, religion can also play a part in things like that. People's, you know, extreme beliefs in religion can also play a part in that as well. I'm not saying in those particular instances, but generally speaking, it can. Do you believe that's evil at play? Do you believe that's the work of the devil? Well, they're two different things. I, I do believe it's evil at play, absolutely. Evil is the separation of God, one from God, right? Um, evil is the opposite of good. It's the absence of goodness, actually. So yes, of course, stabbing children is evil. There's nothing more evil than that. Is it the devil at play? I, I'll say probably is, yes. But you don't, I don't think you have to have faith in God or believe there is a devil to understand that that is clearly evil. Mm. I mean... It's a strange world that we live in and, you know, being a conservative is becoming more difficult. Being a conservative actually in Ireland was really easy uh, going back 30 or 40 years ago. Now, 
I'm not dismissing the sins of the Catholic Church, and I'm sure you're well aware of the different reports that come out about sexual abuse in Ireland, which really turned the tide in Ireland probably in the mid to late 80s when reports started coming out about sexual abuse. And it wasn't so much, I suppose, the priests that were committing those acts of sexual abuse. It was the cover-up. It was the priests and the bishops who didn't say anything and felt it was okay to keep quiet about it. And I think that turned Ireland. I mean, we've seen the biggest drop in our previous census, which was only released not so long ago, in Catholicism and belief in religion that we have seen in the last 100 years. So, and I think those reports probably and that behaviour by the church didn't help. Magdalene Laundries, Mother and Baby Homes, which I'm sure you may be familiar with as well, which I was born in, by the way, a Mother and Baby Home. Do you think the church has done itself no favours when it comes to the way they hid sexual abuse, not just in Ireland, but worldwide? worldwide? Of course, it's so sad. It's, it's abhorrent what's happened, but also, as you say, the cover-up of, of it makes it even worse. And it's a disgrace because people people's salvation is at stake. Like The, the Catholic faith is true. And if people want eternal life in Christ, they have to repent of their sins and follow him. And they, at the point of the church, Christ's body on earth, is to direct souls towards Christ. Now, if pe the church is, like any institution on, on earth, made up of fallen individuals, and, it, and people are sinners. And if there are enough sinners, it's going to put people off anything. So it's, it's a great shame that there are so many wicked individuals within the church that have put people off the church, but it's the faith itself that's at risk here because the faith is more important than anything. Uh, our love for God is more important than anything because his love for us is what makes us. So nothing saddens me more than the evil within the church. It's, so, it's a great shame what's happened in Ireland that, that the, a nation that was known for its strength in its Catholicity has almost disregarded that now. The, the strength was also a weakness at some point too because if, for example, I talk about the mother and baby homes, again, I, was, I do mention I was born in one. The reason many of these young women at the time uh, had their baby in mother and baby homes and didn't dare bring them back to the village is because they weren't married. They may have been having sex with a boyfriend, even in some cases being abused by a father or an uncle. And the parish priest, you know, would inherently tell everybody a young girl who's not married can't have a baby because that's an unmarried mother. That's against God's will. That's not right. So they were kind of shamed into giving away these babies. I mean, the pendulum has swung further now in the other direction. We would have liked to have balanced it in the middle somewhere because we don't want that badness either in society. So do you think that was a bad part? Do we, should we look at that part of the Catholic Church and those teachings of the Catholic Church as something that wasn't a really good thing for society? No, the teachings are the problem. It's our, not our interpretation, but our enactment of the, of the teachings. Yes, it's inappropriate for someone to be having sex outside of marriage. That's a sin. It's fornication. Um, so therefore, yes, it's inappropriate for someone to having a be having a baby if they're not married. But that doesn't mean we should ostracize someone who's fallen into dire circumstances. It means we should be there for them, lovingly, charitably, helping them through a sinful situation and redirecting their lives back towards Christ. And yet you're right that this pendulum has swung too far the other way in that now marriage is seen as a non-issue, something that's totally irrelevant, and, and fornication is a word that people don't use anymore, and people just go around uh, seeking personal desire and personal pleasure, and people are lonelier now and more more unhappy than they have ever been, and this is and a large part of this is because it's the breakdown of the family. People aren't getting married, people aren't starting mm. families, and they're realising that actually sex isn't going to fill that void. 
But, but history does repeat itself. I and mean, we know that from history, that it does repeat itself. And yes, I think we both agree the pendulum has swung, but too far in the opposite direction. And I don't know whether you worry about the future generations or do you think the pendulum will swing back again? I think the younger generation are far more sensible than, than a lot of us who are in the working world today. I think they're, they're far more conservative. I think they they are far less likely to binge drink, far less likely to be promiscuous. And this is a good thing. You know, STDs are at an all-time high, even though sex education is at an all-time high. You know, we keep hearing from people saying, we need to teach kids younger and younger about sex. And the, the more we do that, the more sex they have and the more STDs they have and the more... Um, teenage pregnancies and and um, all the consequences of that so i think the younger generation are going to see all the mess or are seeing all the mess around them and thinking actually this is not good we need something better and they are as a result becoming more conservative so did we so did we do the damage well when i say we i'm a bit older than you but did we do the damage to the world for the younger people or does that kind of just evolve naturally does damage and that kind of change in the world just evolve naturally because we're seeing a very confused world which i'll come to in a second when we talk about gender identity and all different things we're seeing a very confused world at the moment yeah it's not natural but it is um collective so it's not just your generation or the generation before you or the generation before you it's all added up but you know, it's this, these things aren't linear either. Societies, we, we tend to think of progress as linear as well. We see, we see that societies get better and better, but that's not the truth. Societies get better and worse, better and worse in many different areas. You know, for example, race relations in the West is at an all well, until a couple of years ago, has been at an all time high in terms of progress. However, um, social decay is actually getting worse. So there are different elements of our society that are progressing, literally, and different elements that are degressing or regressing. What's the word I'm looking for there? We regressing, probably. But but you meant to, you meant to race relations. I mean, you uh, have stood up in the past against critical race theory and the teaching of it in schools, because in American schools, it's quite common to be thought critical race theory. Uh, you yourself, I, I don't know how you describe yourself, but I, I obviously you would describe yourself as mixed race. Uh, originally, I think from Jamaica, well, your parents were, one of your parents was Jamaica. So do, do you think that it's important that children grow up with a better understanding of, I suppose, race being non-judgmental? I mean, when you see people tearing down statues, for example, in, in England more so than anywhere else, it seems, they were tearing down statues. I mean, there's no doubt by today's standards what those men or women did in the past uh, was wrong by today's standards. But in their, in their days, it was perfectly acceptable. So, I mean, how do we teach children you know, about how to respect each other, no matter where we come from, what our culture is and what colour our skin is. Well, I think a good place to start is to stop obsessing about the things that separate us or divide us. Well, children don't recognise race in the same way that we do, because race is pretty much a social construct. Uh, children love each other for who they are, and then later on we tell them, actually, that kid's black, that kid's Asian, that kid's white, and, mm -hmm. and that means that they, they are privileged, they are oppressed, and, and this and that and actually we're we're force feeding them racism when you know young people don't don't they're not born with it and the i don't think they are and i think you're right because i i remember when one of my children well my oldest child now who's now 26 years of age when he was four, five and he started in school and we got a call one day from the school teachers come to a meeting and uh, we went down to the school and she said we have a bit of a concern i said what's a concern and she said, well, there's a, there's a black child in the class and your son keeps going over and feeling his skin all the time. <laughs> and it was, he kept going over and rubbing his face and feeling his skin. And she said, look, we know it's completely innocent, but could you talk to him about it? And I think with children, there's a curiosity more so than anything else, isn't there? Well, yeah. If you've grown up around 
each other, you won't recognize or you, or you won't see skin color as important. But of course, if it's introduced slightly later, it will be a novelty and you'll be interested and curious mm. as mm. people are, of course. And that's when it should be acceptable to have conversations. And it's the conversations that have been shut down. You know, quite mm. often people want to say to me, what's, you know, why are you brown, essentially? They want to know what's your heritage? And they, they try, I, I see them stumbling and it's embarrassing clumsily like so so where are you from but yeah. where are your parents from no where are they from? like they just want to know how come my skin color is browner than theirs is there something wrong? i've often wondered by the way is there something wrong with that when you see somebody who's clearly not of irish origin in my case right um and maybe their parents or grandparents come from a different part of the world because of the color of their skin and we'd always i think it's just a habitual thing and maybe we're just trying to be friendly i don't know what it is and we always say you know you're a taxi and the taxi driver happens to be nigerian or something like that and you happen to say so where are you originally from? I mean, we, we don't... <laughs> Some people have even described that as racist in itself to actually suggest that you shouldn't say things like that. But I think it's a natural curiosity with people to ask people where they come from. Of course it is. It's an interest in people and having an interest in people is a good thing. But it's another one of these things that's been shut down as, as you rightly say, racist. It's, it's, why is it racist? What's, what's racist about inquiring about another person? Mm -hmm. Again, it's a shutting down of the conversation in order, I think, to maintain power structures, because what essentially we have in our society right now is a, a left-wing mentality of people must belong in boxes, uh, whether it's race or, or gender or sexuality, it doesn't matter. Put, put people under these labels and then we can control them. Uh, but we don't belong in these labels. We're all different in many different ways. And we're all equal in lots of different ways too. And we all should be treated equally. And speak of equally, of course, you would be you would know that Ireland was one of the first countries in the world to legalise uh, gay marriage or marriage equality, as the referendum was called. Um, now, gay people can get married in most countries in the world now at this stage, but we were the first country to actually legalise and recognise it properly. Do you accept us? That no, gay people can get married? No, of course not. Because marriage means something. Do you Words accept they can love each other? Do you accept they can love each other? I, I well, let's break it down because marriage to me means a union of two people, what one man, one woman. So it's heterosexual, it's monogamous. Now, if it, if you're talking about two gay people being in a relationship, that is two gay people being in a relationship. If you want to invent a word for it, create a word for it. But it's not marriage because marriage means something already. It's like me saying I'm going to call this a speaker it's not a speaker it's a microphone it does something it takes my voice in and transmits it to you if i start calling it a, a speaker you'd have trouble knowing the difference between a speaker and a speaker right and it, that's that's the issue i have with marriage in that it has it means something but mm -hmm. can two gay people love each other i mean two people of any um to any people can love any person can love another person but that doesn't mean it's good it doesn't mean it's orderly you know that we have boundaries for a reason can a grown man love a young girl Genuine question. Well, well, it's not because then you're talking about consent, aren't you? I mean, if you're talking about a very young girl, I don't know how young we're talking about. Of course not, because you're talking about consent. And, and also, I suppose we have to have a balance of common sense. I mean, if a 60-year-old man has an interest in a 20-year-old girl, maybe the, he has the one with the issues. But I think we talk right, about common, I mean, she's, common she's sense. Consen she's consenting. Uh, where does this common sense come from? Well I, well, I think we all have a level of common sense and understanding that, well, firstly, we'd have nothing in common. Um, so I don't even know why you'd be interested in that. So solely, I would imagine, generally speaking, if a young man or if a 60-year-old man is interested in a 20-year-old girl, he's with her for one purpose and one purpose only. Uh, and that would be my view on it. I think you should stick to close enough to your same age. Well, as you get older, ages, the differences are not quite the same. I mean, it's okay in having 10 years if you're 60 and your wife is 50, but not 20. 
Yeah, well, uh, but, but, my, but my I don't. I don't think that's different. quite the same thing as two men who maybe have equal my point, ages. Though, is love has boundaries. Everything has boundaries because freedom is found within boundaries. And right now in society, as I said at the start, people want to be free to sin. People think, mm -hmm. think freedom is, is escape from boundaries. But no, boundaries are what makes things proper and orderly and good. For example, if you're a parent, you wouldn't let your child play out in the middle of the road. You'd say you can play on the pavement or you can play in the garden, but not in the road. And that's not because you don't love them. It's not to say creating a boundary is, is unloving. It's because you love them that you give them a boundary. Now, God gave us boundaries. He said that um, marriage is between one man and one woman. And we know the reasons for that. One of the reasons is it's good for the man and the woman. Another reason is it's good for the community. Another reason is it's how you start families. And another reason is it's for the work to create, to procreate, to create children, not just for our survival as a species, but for more people to worship God. So th there's a reason behind the order and the boundary. Okay, I won't get into the, the I suppose, the fact that lesbians can still procreate. They they use, obviously, sperm donations and well, uh, gay men and gay men can adopt. Well, that's they what they would argue. I mean, our own Taoiseach here, or Prime Minister, as you call it, is a gay man. Uh, and many, many years ago, by the way, he said he was against gay men adopting children. He changed his mind very quickly in that once he got into power. Um, but, I mean, do you think that's a, is it acceptable we're seeing more and more members of the gay community uh, taking positions of power. Um, do, you, do you have an issue with that or is that okay? Look, I'm, I don't have a problem with someone because they happen to be same-sex attracted. Mm -hmm. My issue here is that as Christians, we're all sinners. And it's about recognizing that sin and repenting of that sin instead of embracing and affirming it. That's the issue I have a problem with. So it's all, it all comes back down to the basic idea of hate the sin, not the sinner. In relation to, I suppose, when we talked about speech a few minutes ago when you talked about the, the freedom to, to be able to speak, uh, I'm not too sure if you're familiar if you're familiar with the Irish laws at the moment. And currently, over the particularly over the last three days, in the news quite a lot. And Elon Musk has actually mentioned it. Michael Schellenberger, the famous commentator, journalist, and reporter. Donald Trump Jr. Uh, many other commentators around the world with international platforms are mentioning how embarrassing Ireland's new what they're calling Orwellian speech laws are. Uh, essentially, we have legislation here from 1989, which is incitement to hatred. Um, we now want to expand on that and have excitement to hatred and incitement to hate speech. Um, but the Minister uh, for Justice refuses to define the word speech and said she would leave it to a judge to, to deter what she believes is speech. And to give you a small sense of what I'm talking about, they're debating it currently in the Oireachtas, so the House of the Oireachtas, which is the Shannon. Uh, and this law will probably get passed before September. And a member of our government, our Green Party, just said this, and I'll just play this little clip for you just to see what you give you a sense of it. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Are we restricting freedoms for the common good? Or are we censoring people? Is this going back to... because? We spent years here debating whether we should have a referendum to get rid of blasphemy laws, which we did five years ago. And now it seems like we're bringing in more blasphemy laws or censorship to protect other char characteristics of minorities. You are. That idea, that's terrifying. Listen to her say people should be able to live, 
lives that are free of uncomfort. What what, what human right is that? That we we have a human right to be comfortable and to not ever be offended and ne not ever hear anything that we disagree with. That's bonkers. That's actually insane what she's preaching there. And this idea that everyone should be safe. There's nothing harmful or unsafe about disagreement or someone having a different set of beliefs to you or someone saying something that you don't like. This idea of, I mean, we, we know we have it too good in, in Western society when we, when we think that that is what makes us unsafe. Go live somewhere that is truly unsafe and I'm sure she'd, she'd come to a different conclusion. I mean, I only said recently to one of my producers, uh, and she's probably quite young. When I say young, she, to me, she's young. She's in her 30s. I said, I feel very lucky and I feel very privileged that I've probably lived in the best part of humanity ever. We, we, we voted for freedom. We fought for freedoms. In Ireland, we did it back in 1916. The British did it as well. I won't get into the history between Ireland and Britain because that's, that goes down a very rocky road. But we fought for freedom and we fought for freedom to speak and freedom to express ourselves. We had a constitution uh, which gave us that freedom to express ourselves, which is still in the constitution, by the way. And I, I'm hoping that if this legislation is passed, it will be challenged at the Supreme Court. But in saying that, we're now at a juncture where that freedom is going to be taken away again. In other words, if you go online, for example, to use an example and say, I don't believe a man can become a woman, you're causing somebody, as she said, discomfort or to feel unsafe or offended by your remarks. And the, the legislation gives the police the power to go into your home to take any devices that you have. And if they suspect you're in possession of any material that may be of hatred, um, you will be charged and brought to court. It's it's tyranny. That's what it is. It's oppressive. The idea that my opinion is not the same as yours, therefore somehow it's hate speech. I you know I don't I disagree with you now on quite a lot of stuff already. I don't hate you. I love you mm. as my fellow brother. In, well, not brother in Christ, but hopefully one day brother in Christ. <laughs> um, the idea that because we disagree means one of us hates each other is bonkers, and this is why she won't define hate because it is tyrannous. It is a case of if you do not subscribe to the approved narrative, you are therefore naturally a hater and a hateful person speaking hate speech. It's horrible. And in relation to that narrative, I suppose this has all come about. This bill was originally uh, published back in 2021. It's now only coming to be coming before the doll and before the government, which the government voted, by the way, 110 to 14 uh, for this. Only 14 uh, elected representatives voted against it. I, I imagine, by the way, out of the 114 who voted with their parties, half of them probably haven't even read the legislation, don't even understand it. That's normally what happens in Ireland. And as I said, it'll go to the president. But in relation to this, the narrative that we talk about, it seems to be coincidental, or is it coincidental, that at this particular juncture in society, we have a huge debate in relation to the fact that men can become women or women can become men. What's your thoughts on that? Do you, do you accept, I mean, biologically, firstly, but also do you accept somebody's identity? In other words, would you respect somebody? If I, for example, identified as a woman and my name is Pauline, would you happily call me Pauline to keep me pleased and happy? I would respect you, but would I lie to you? Probably not. No. Mm. Um, if you asked me to call you she, her, I'd probably say no now because you're clearly a bloke. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go along with your delusion. I probably wouldn't say it in that way, but I don't think there's anything loving or... So you're not going to pretend with me? You're not, you're not going to pretend no. with me? No. I don't think we should be compelling people to lie either. And that's what it is lying, because we know biologically it's not possible to change sex. It's physically impossible. And that's without bringing any of the faith elements into it.
But they see they will say to you, the minority, that you you what you've just said is incorrect because we're not talking about sex. They talk about gender. They try to differentiate and they say, I believe personally the two are intrinsically linked, but they don't believe they're linked. They believe that gender is a social construct and is interchangeable in some way. Well, that's what they used to say, but now they call it's called a sex change um, operation. It's called uh, change of sex identity. So I don't know where what gender means or where it comes into it. It mm. makes no sense to me anymore. It's all very confusing, but I think they keep it confusing on purpose. You know, the number of genders goes up from what was it, 79 to 99. And first it goes up to, you know, being multiple genders and then it becomes non-binary. <laughs> what does that mean? How can it be binary in the first place? Excuse <laughs> me, if there's 79 of them. But then what does that mean for people who happen to be bisexual? Can you have sexual attraction to different genders? Uh, if you are not, none of it makes any sense. It's all a power play. You're getting confused by it all now at this stage. I am confused by it all. Hmm. And, and what, what sort of reaction do you get as a commentator, and obviously somebody on television as well, present your own television show, what sort of reaction do you get to the views you have? Because I can tell you now, here in Ireland, as a commentator or a radio presenter as well, um, if you express certain views, you'll be off the air. And that's the way it works. We're not as fortunate as Britain that we don't have the larger population, so we don't get to have, you know, um, you know, talk TV, GB News, or those more conservative stations. So, I mean, what happens? I mean, do, do you get complaints, for example, uh, after your show if you impart that kind of view? Yeah, I suppose, but I don't really pay any attention to that. If people want to complain, that's their issue. I don't see why people can't live in a plural society of people with different views and beliefs. It's, it's always the ones that say we should be more tolerant and more diverse that actually don't want to be tolerant of my opinions and don't want to have a diversity of thoughts and opinion. Mm. So they're all hypocrites, really. And, and going back to the start of that question, when I said that I felt privileged that I lived in this part of humanity where I think I've had the most amount of freedom anybody's ever going to have in society going forward, even into the future. Do you, do you think that is the case? Do you think we're slowly but surely losing our freedoms? When you look at what Ireland is doing, and by the way, they're calling this an EU directive. Aren't you so damn lucky of because of Brexit? They're calling this an EU directive and um, that they have to, they're saying they have to do this. They don't really have a choice, which I don't believe for a minute. I think that's a lie. Um, but they're saying it's an EU directive. So if this is going to spread across the EU, uh, uh, possibly, I don't know, the United States, although they seem to value their First Amendment, uh, maybe Britain, I don't know. Do you think we're heading down a road where we're all going to be silenced? I think it's worse than that, if I'm honest with you. I think the West is falling, much like Rome fell. I think we've seen the best of times, and now we're on a downward trajectory. Uh, it's not just our freedoms that, get, that are going, it's our very way of life. And mm. we, your, 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 your young friend who says, your producer who said they're very privileged and lived in the best of times, perhaps that's true, but it's not going to be the case for very much longer, I don't think. And as a God-fearing man, do you believe the people who commit these evil acts or people who are responsible for evil, evil acts that are changing the world, do you believe that we can forgive them? Because I suppose there's always forgiveness, is there? Yeah, there is always forgiveness, but that's not necessarily from us, that's from God. So yeah, if they want mm. to seek forgiveness, they have to repent and then they are forgiven. But that's the, that's the key thing there. There has to be contrition. Quite often there isn't. Uh, but it's not always evil men that are making these decisions. It's often just incompetent people in general. Mm. And 
that there might be a big global conglomerate with a big agenda to change the way of the world. Do you think there is? Because people say that, is that like a conspiracy theory or something? I don't know that there's this group of people in the world, including George Soros and Bill Gates and everybody else and the WHO. Are they all in a big room together? Oh, the World Economic Forum is kind of what we hear about quite a lot. Do you think there's a a plan? Do you think there is a plan? There might be a plan, but I think it's probably more likely that these people live within their own bubble or they only hear from each other. They validate each other's opinions it's a bit of a cyclical situation and they're like yeah of course we need to have net zero policies yeah of course we need to have hate speech laws and they're all doing the same thing because there's no innovation there they can't think mm-hmm. and so politicians in general i mean we've been listening here in ireland recently you may not be too familiar with it but they have been questioned on numerous occasions only by one particular media outlet grip media uh, who are a conservative media outlet uh, who are asking them why they're not listening to the people and there has been numerous polls in relation to that particular piece of legislation public submissions were taken and 70 percent of the general public said they didn't agree with the legislation i did a poll yesterday on twitter by the way and we had over twelve thousand votes on the poll and 97 percent of people said they didn't agree with the legislation but yes they're motoring on and they're doing it anyway. Do you think politicians have stopped listening to people? Oh, massively so. Democracy as we know it is dead, but the question is what do we do about it? Uh, we're stuck. I don't know what your system is like, but we're stuck with a two-party state. Between <laughs> we're stuck with a three-party state. <laughs> we're, not too, we're, not too far, we're not too far behind you. So, I mean, so the question is what do we do about that? Well, I don't know what to do because we're in a similar situation to yourself that we have Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, who are the main two parties. We've also got Sinn Féin, who are the Republican Party, who were obviously intrinsically linked many, many years ago to the IRA, which I'm sure you'll be familiar with. Um, but now they're a political party. Um, and then what happens is, even if they don't get the votes to get into power, they'll drag a few independents in just to get them back into government anyway. So this, at this particular point, they've dragged um, the Green Party, who got 3% of the vote, into government with them just to form a government. And now we have the Green Party, who got 3% of the votes, so only 3% of the population actually listen to them or want to know what they have to say. But yet they're making laws which are affecting Ireland drastically, like reducing the herd of cattle. Uh, for Ireland, you know, dairy products is a huge export. What's, what's your feelings on climate change? It seems to be a big scam. Uh, we're, we're seeing similar things. Well, all the way across Europe, really. People who own farms being encouraged to either stop farming or to sell their land which is bonkers to me because um, for, for example great britain has a um, covers about 85 percent worth of grain to be self-sufficient so we yeah. don't have to import that much but a lot of grain farmers are getting in touch now and saying that they're being encouraged to stop farming and or sell their land too so it, it seems like we're trying to become dependent for some reason and then a lot of this comes down to the, to the carbon emissions and we're seeing you know people flying in private i was like i, said, I was there in davos i saw them flying their private jets to the helipad to get their helicopter to <laughs> the meeting to, to meet each other to tell us to stop growing our own fruit and veg. It's like, <laughs> well, well, well we had the same thing. We had Joe Biden over here about six weeks ago. And uh, he arrived at the Oireachtas, uh, where he wanted to speak to all the Irish politicians. And they all, by the way, I've never seen so many politicians appear appear in the, in the houses in one particular day, by the way. That's called the doll in our country. It's called the Houses of Parliament in your country. Um, but they all they all turned up where they're rarely there. So they all turned up to see Joe Biden and, and just to look good and virtue signal beside him. But he arrived with, I don't know, a cortege of 50 cars and with five litre diesel or petrol engines, gas guzzling things, got off his private jet. And the last part of his speech, which was televised nationally, was 
about climate change and how we all need to reduce our CO2 emissions. And I'm going, this has to be the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, it's this ridiculous idea that charging normal working folk more tax is going to offset carbon emissions somehow, whilst they're still swanning around in their private jets, etc. But the, we are the ones that pay the price, and everything becomes more expensive. And they're the ones who invest in offshore um, energy companies and make a killing from it. I mean, you do, I, I suppose you do agree, like most people, that we have to be kinder to the planet. And, you know, generally speaking, I mean, within logical sense, I mean, our, the environment, we need to be kinder to the environment. I'm not getting all green on you and climbing up trees here, but we do need to be kinder to the environment, don't we? We have to be stewards of the earth. We have to look after the earth. But the earth is here for us, not the other way around. And a lot of people on the climate uh, crisis side of the argument seem to think that the world would be better off without us on it. <laughs> Again, that's insane. Well, some of them are even, are, have almost suggested that, by the way, reducing the population. Sure, they have suggested that they're not going to have any children to save the planet. I mean, that's some of the suggestions by some of the extremists. And I know Greta is one of the extremists. And it was bizarre when you go back five or six years ago. And we see so many people in the world following a 16-year-old girl, uh, making predictions about the world in five years, predictions that she's now removing from Twitter because they didn't actually come true. Yeah, I know. I met her out there in Davos. I spoke to her for about 20 minutes. Uh, clueless, absolutely clueless. She didn't have anything interesting to say. She didn't have anything to say without her script, without her narrative to read from. Uh, and that just goes to show, you know, she's been used as a puppet, a puppet for all these years by these big business, big bankers, uh, people making a lot of money off of net zero policies. How dare you? <laughs> Isn't that what yeah, she would yeah, say? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? I mean, religion in itself, I mean, in Ireland, you know, as we've already mentioned, that religion has um, certainly declined. But the other problem for religion is priests, because, you know, if you get married in Ireland now, or if you die in Ireland, it's a difficulty to find a priest that will actually bury you. We've so much so, our, our, well, our funerals used to go on for two days. You'd have a mass the day before, you'd have a burial the next day. They've kind of reduced that down to one day because it's difficult to get a priest. The same way as getting married, people are using humanist ceremonies because, or, you know, um, solemnizers because you just can't get a priest anymore because I think last year there might have been only one priest ordained. I mean, that's got to be a difficulty in the world to keep spreading the word of God if people like yourself aren't around anymore. I wasn't aware how dire things were in Ireland. They need to have a big um, opportunity, for, opportunity for mission. They need to get a load of people. I don't know. They need to be catechizing. They need to be evangelizing. And they need to be creating young new priests. But isn't part of the problem that in the priesthood in Ireland, the Catholic religion, of course, which a lot of the rules of Catholic religion are man-made, they're not allowed to get married. They're not allowed to have children. and um, They're not allowed to own property. Um, There's so many rules. Uh, celibacy, of course, is another rule, which... To me, it seems inhuman for a male, a man, to be celibate. Would you, would you agree if we got rid of all of those rules that maybe it might encourage more people to want to go into the priesthood? It's, it's not inhuman, but not everyone is called to celibacy. Um, a lot of people are called to marriage and some people are called to celibacy. I think the problem the church has in conflating the call to celibacy with the call to the priesthood um, you know, a lot of people are called to the priesthood, but might also feel called to a married life. And that used to be okay. It's a mm -hmm. relatively recent tradition that priests must be celibate in the Western church. Of course, it's not the case in the in the Eastern Catholic church or in the Orthodox church, or, or of course the Anglican church, but uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a issue for Roman Catholicism.
Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm seeing more and more when, when we look at Britain, for example, and you obviously you guys have vicars and all sorts of deacons, as they would be, uh, whereas we literally only have priests uh, and, and that's it. And they're all Catholic priests. And I, and I do believe that their lives are very much restricted. And I do believe that's what discourages other people who maybe found God or feel they have a calling and actually going into it. Um, but that's as may be. Do you think the decline of religion will continue? And do you think that the narratives that we spoke about earlier on, like gender identity, um, are they all new religions? Because I know um, Richard Dawkins described them as new religions, that, you know, the fall of one religion will be closely followed by something else because everybody needs a belief to hang on to. So LGBTQ, has that become almost like a religion for, for people or veganism, climate change? Yeah. Have, are they all religions? They're all part of the same religion, really. So it's neo-Marxism. They're all angles of the same thing, uh, painted up in different ways. You know, much like the Hindus have all these different gods or whatever. It's the same with wokeism. Uh, you've got the you've got the net zero stuff, the climate so-called emergency. You've got the gender stuff, transgender stuff. You've got the sexuality stuff. You've got the race stuff. It's all the same religion. Um, but in terms of Christianity dying out in the West, it's because many people within the church have adopted the new religion instead, the new, the, the new polytheistic religion. And they're talking about climate change and critical race theory and transgenderism and stuff instead of the gospel that Christ is the Messiah. He, he went through his passion, death and resurrection for our sins. He offers us eternal salvation if we repent of our sins and follow him. That's the gospel message. But they, they've gone with a new gospel, a false gospel. That's why in the West, the church seems to be dying. But if we look around the world, it's actually growing. The faith is growing, especially across the African continent and the global south. But, but they, we are in Orthodox. But we are seeing people moving around the world very quickly now, rather than, you know, if you go back 30 years ago, that didn't really happen. But we're seeing people coming across the Mediterranean and um, and many of those would not be Christians. And you yourself, by the way, objected recently to Muslims using Christian churches, um, which uh, does that not go against the very belief of Christianity and, you know, and not judging anybody and uh, and sharing everything, no, etc. No, that's a nonsense. That's not a belief of Christianity. I don't know why people always think that. The Bible doesn't say don't judge. It says judge righteously. But that's nothing to do with um, being against Muslims playing, praying in a Christian church. That's not judging. That's saying within this house of God, we should not break the Ten Commandments, the first of which is that there are no other gods but me. Therefore, having someone pray to a false god, another god within a Christian church, is is against God's law. So that's what that's about. That's not about judgment. Does, does it concern you that... Islam is, I suppose, the, the numbers of people, um, uh, you know, praying to Islam or praying to Allah or, you know, or who are a Muslim has risen uh, around the world in comparison, in the Western world more so, uh, that, that that is rising as Christianity is reducing. Does that concern you? I think it should concern all of us, unless we want to live in a predominantly Islamic country. I, know I certainly don't, which is why I no, don't. I, do, I don't either. No, no, particularly. Oh. <laughs> the, I don't think. Mind you, I don't. I don't want to live in in a, a country either that would be reminiscent of 1950 Ireland. You know, where it was kind of the the, the church ruled the country with an iron fist. Either I think there's a balance somewhere in the middle. Right, there might be a balance, but there has to be a set of values. That's the point. There is no neutrality. Uh, when it comes to faith, because that void will be filled with something, whether it's Islam or woke or mm. Christianity. Uh, mm. So we need to be careful. We need to consider what do we as a people want to stand for? What do we want to believe in? When you do your show on a regular basis, just finally, because 
And I appreciate you, by the way, staying as long as you have stayed with us today. And it's been very interesting talking to you. But when you're doing your show on a regular basis, both on radio or TV, which topic is the one that like, I have? A, there's a few topics like that I would talk about because I talk for five hours nearly every every single day doing both shows. But there's a few things that really get me go, drive me insane. Is there anything? What What's the one thing that really, once it comes up in the news, you said to your producers, "We're doing that. We're, I need I need to talk about this. We need to do this today." <laughs> is, is there something in particular that really kind of gets you every time? No, I think it's the opposite. I think it's more like, oh, we've got to talk about this again, haven't we? <laughs> the same issues keep coming up and we don't seem to be learning our lessons. Yeah, I mean, what, the Just Stop Oil protesters? Are they, do they? Because um, we haven't experienced much of that yet. Can I just say, we've been very lucky. They haven't really started throwing paint on, you know, paintings in this country yet or, you know, lying in the middle of roads. We haven't really seen it. I know it's on the way. Does that drive you insane? It does drive me insane because they are insane. They believe in this cult of... Well, it's a doomsday cult, isn't it? That the world yeah. is going to end in five years unless we but all... But they've been here for years. They've been around for 100 years. They used to go around with sandwich boards on them years ago. The world, that was the end is nigh. And then yeah. back in the back in the 70s, they kind of moved up into the trees. Do you, do you remember that? They had the, uh, the little houses up in the trees and they lived in the trees, they, minus the bar of soap. And now they, of course, have they moved to... They still haven't got that bar of soap. No, they still haven't got the bar of soap. They've moved to the streets now. But why do you think the British police, by the way, are allowing them doing what they're doing? Because... I see the British police pandering to them constantly all the time and allowing them to hold up traffic, allowing them to enrage people, which literally causes fights on a regular basis. Why do you think that's happening? Why are they allowing them to do it? When they're clearly nuts. There's a, there's a two-tier policing system in Britain at the moment. Causes that are seen as right and just are treated one way and causes that are seen as on the fringe are treated another way. You know, people who campaigned for their civil liberties against lockdowns or against vaccine mandates were treated one way. And then people who were out protesting for Black Lives Matter or extremist rebellion or just oil are treated another way. And it's disgusting to see that happen. Mm. If, if people are allowed to protest in this country, fantastic. But when it becomes disruption and when it becomes vandalism, they should all be treated the same way, regardless of which whether the police or the government believe in that cause or not. So criminal damage is criminal damage. End of story. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, they have put a few of them in jail, but I think they're being quite lenient on them, to be honest with you, from what I've seen. The police are soft these days. You know, when I was younger, the police had to be a certain height. They had to be quite fit. And yeah, they had to, they were I remember that. To be rigorous. These days, they're like nervous, little, weak, feeble. Not all of them, of course. But a lot <laughs> of them are overweight. And it's like, what is going on? We just don't respect ourselves anymore. That's what it is. I mean, the... the you are right, and I do remember, actually, in Ireland, we used to have a lot of police like that. We call them Garda Siakana, by the way. And there was one very famous one from Cork. His name was, there's actually documentaries about him. His name was Lugs Brannigan. And he was quite famous because if if you were a kid and you were hanging around a street corner late at night or hanging outside the shops late at night, you know, he'd give you a clatter across the face and tell you to go home to your parents. And he'll be hanging around and he'll be up to no good. That's the way he would deal with you. I, I mean, just finally, because it just came into my head before I let you go. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently in this country about affirmative action. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with affirmative action. It was a failed uh, concept in America. Uh, mind you, they still do it in the universities when it comes to allowing students at the university. But, I mean, we so far have 30% when it comes to gender uh, in politics. You must have 30% candidates uh, in your party. Um, now they're talking about, obviously, in relation to refugees, uh, asylum seekers who get citizenship, uh, that they do want to bring in some sort of affirmative action or there's been a suggestion of it uh, when it comes to politics. So as all, par so all cultures, all um, 
dissents um, and all minorities are represented. Do you think affirmative action works or is there a purpose behind it? It doesn't work and that, that proposal sounds quite dangerous because do you really want all cultures represented in, in all political parties or do you want them to be able to be unique and stand for what they believe in? Um, mm. Affirmative action is just another way of saying positive discrimination and there is no way that discrimination is positive in this regard. It's treating people based on their immutable characteristics, the things about themselves that they can't change, and it's treating them as if they are the most important things about them. I, I believe in meritocracy. I believe in treating people based on the, their merits, their actions, their words, what they do, what they believe in, rather than how they look. And I think it's very sad when we kind of... Well, we're seeing it in the UK as well, aren't we? Sadiq Khan actually uh, was looking for interns recently, and more or less, you might as well have just put in the ad, white people need not apply. I mean, because... So, do you, do you no, believe it? Back to what you guys used to have. Well, when you, when you came over here, no 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 blacks, no dogs, but, no Irish, right? Oh yeah, people mention that all the time. Thankfully, the Irish are very welcome in Britain now, and of course, you're very welcome to come over here as well. Look, it's been absolutely wonderful talking. But what about to dogs? Oh well, you can bring your dog with you as well. By the way. <laughs> Right. But I, 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 Brexit has made a big difference in that, mind you. Nowadays, you can't actually bring your dog unless you're in part of the European Union. Anyway, it's been yeah, wonderful to talking to you. Calvin Robinson, listen, thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. I didn't agree with everything you said, and I'm sure you don't agree with everything I believe in either. But I have to say, well, there's a happy medium, and at least we're allowed to talk to each other. And it's been wonderful talking to you. Hey, hey, God bless. Thank you for having me on. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.